Hello and welcome to Makers.dev episode 55. We have the privilege of having with us Brian Castle. Brian, how's it going? Hey, Christian and Chris, how's it going, guys? Yeah, fun to be on. I'm trying to like make the rounds on, on all the Bootstrapper podcasts, so pretty excited. I'm honored to be included in the round of Bootstrapper podcasts. That's, uh, that's really cool. <laughs> I'd love to get started just by asking you uh, about your backstory. I am familiar with you on Twitter from like the, the microconf space and your previous company, Audience Ops. Uh, I was a customer of Audience Ops for a little bit. And I've been so impressed with you of like, I feel like you're doing the same sort of thing Chris and I are doing of like jumping from project to project and uh, building serial entrepreneur businesses, but it feels like you're doing it at a different level. Like audience ops, my understanding of it is it was this team of like around a dozen employees of managers and writers and that kind of thing. And like, that's something that I'm struggling to, to I'm hiring my very first employee, a, a virtual assistant uh, this week. And uh, I think I'm, I'd just like to know, like, where did you come from? What? <laughs> <laughs> what 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 led you to like feel comfortable running that sort of business and uh give me the give me that story who are you <laughs> who am i oh man this is gonna get deep um well you know i i i guess i i would just preface all of this and i try to do this i i, I tend to get asked that a form of that question a lot on on podcasts because if you look at my my website which lists all my products it's like it's ridiculous the the list is like never ending um most of those you know, were not very significant products. Um, and, and of course, not all of them happened in the same year. They happened over the course of, I've been self-employed for 13 years. So a lot of this stuff was started many years ago. Um, and a lot of those pro projects and products were either sold or shut down or maintenance mode or whatever, right? So there's that. Um, also, you know, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the classic like highlight reel on, on Twitter and on podcasts. like you're seeing the surface level, um, especially like, I don't have a massive audience, but, but I have some reach with, with my podcast and whatnot. And like, I think things that we tend to say on air, this, this is probably true for you guys too. Like when you're talking about your, your projects and businesses, um, just the, the fact of talking about it publicly makes it sound a little bit bigger than it, than it might actually be. Mm. You know, I, I, I mean, I've just noticed that with myself, like, people have an impression of my businesses that, that probably make it feel like it's slightly bigger than it actually is, you know, uh, just from the fact of sharing it publicly um, for, for better or worse. Okay, so Audience Ops, you know, that, that was a business that I started in 2015, uh, right at the same time that I sold my previous business, which was a website builder for restaurants called Restaurant Engine. I started Audience Ops and at the time I sold it, which was just three months ago in 2021, um, it, it actually had a team of about 25 people. Uh, almost all of them were contractors, uh, our, our contractors, you know, some ranging from just a few hours a week to uh, it's most of their week. Um, many of them are like stay at home parents. Many of them have uh, other gigs going on. Um, uh, but audience ops was like sort of like the rock for, for many of them, like a, a, a very solid, steady, ongoing retainer. And I, I love talking about how proud I am of the fact that the, the team, most of the team was in that capacity for four, five, six years, you know, um, not just like one, one and done, like hired guns, like a really dedicated, super talented um, team, you know, so, and, and they're still, they're still running. They're, they're doing awesome under, under the new, uh, new owner, JD. Amazing. Um, uh, so. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that's that, I mean, you know, in terms of the bigger picture, uh, audience ops for me was 
a really good chapter in my career because it I spent the first few years, like 2015, 16, 17, really building that business, um, figuring out the processes, how to sell it to, to clients, how to, how to hire for it, how to build uh, processes and, and delegate those to the team. But then by, by 2018, I had basically removed myself from the day-to-day. Mm. Um, uh, I'm not completely checked out. Or I haven't been completely checked out. Of course, like things go to my inbox. I, for a while there, I, w- I was still doing some sales calls, but eventually somebody else took that over too. Um, it got to a point where I was spending three hours, three to five hours total, like a month, like really oh, wow. touching wow. that business in like 15 minute spurts, right? Mm-hmm. Of like something came to my inbox. But for the most part, amazing managers, amazing team, amazing writers, they handle almost everything. Um, and that really freed me up from like 2018 on. That's like in 2018 was when I really dove into learning like Ruby on Rails and uh, and just reinvesting all of that free time. Um, you know, I had an income from audience app. So that, that gave me the freedom to invest in learning and also the runway of bootstrapping SaaS products. And some of them have not worked. Uh, and then, and then uh, zip message most recently is the one that I'm focused on now. And, and that one seems to have, have clicked a, a little bit better, like, you know, four years later. <laughs> <laughs> when you sound incredibly uh, modest saying that like having a podcast about things makes it magnified and, and bigger than it is. And like, yes, of course, that's why Chris and I have this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but you had 25 people. <laughs> that's so many. And yes, there were contractors, but like, incredible that's 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 a lot <laughs> that's i'm uh yeah i'm i'm i think i'm really curious like the the struggle that i see chris and i have in our businesses is like going from scaling that it's just us working on the business and we're doing the marketing and the development work and everything else um to getting that like one extra person of okay sure here and there we'll we'll hire a contractor to to do something but um to have to have ongoing contractors where this is like the the majority of their stable backbone of work uh that's inspiring that's that's something i'd like to work towards yeah it's cool i mean um you know very different types of businesses here right i mean you guys are software businesses um audience apps was a product i i I say was because i don't own it anymore but it's still very much alive They're, they're still they're awesome um uh but uh it's a productized service so manually done services high very very repeatable and standardized i think that's the key that that really worked for me with that business was that you know i think the big challenge with hiring people in general especially when you're sort of new to it it's 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 learning to manage uh people and and when every project is not very similar from one to the next then it then it's just a lot of work to manage and then remanage and then remanage every single project because then you're giving instructions again and again and again. Whereas if the business itself sells a very standardized productized service like we did with Audience Ops, then you're basically training the team to do something once and then they and then they do it repeatedly. And then it gets to a point where even the team can train more team members, you know. Um, so that's essentially the, the model in, in a nutshell. Um, I mean, the other you know, you, you, like I definitely learned a, um, 
what you know there, there are different different uh factors that went into hiring people at, at audience apps specifically that made made them work really well long term and and we had plenty who just didn't last more than three months with us you know um and we started to learn what those factors are in that business uh and and started to optimize our hiring for that um uh, and of course you know systems and processes really really helped a lot too i mean on the software side like zip message it's me and one developer right now um so it's like back back to square one <laughs> basics just uh uh super small you know i i mean i have not scaled up a, a software business before so that that's still a new uh process for me now um but uh, and i'm and i'm not really looking to i i, I would like to keep it uh small if i can uh but kind of where where I'm at yeah I was gonna ask that related to team which is I think Christian and I both try to actively avoid hiring other people even contractors like we kind of like doing everything ourselves and I've had one employee before but nothing like 25 people even contractors so like as you're thinking about zip message are you going to do it again are you gonna hire a team you said small does small mean you know like one or two people or does it mean you know a dozen what, what are you thinking yeah so I'm definitely not one of these people who will like never hire you know um I, I definitely intend to grow the business and that's going to require more heads than than just me I mean uh I've gotten to into a really really good groove with me plus one full-time developer so basically basically there's two of us full-time on the product and we're able to ship really fast and ship a lot of product um and as as it stands today I don't yet see a need to add another developer, uh, but that could change like by the end of this year. Um, uh, uh, and you know, uh, for those who, who aren't familiar with ZipMessage, uh, it's it's yeah, basically a, a tool for uh, video messaging. Uh, so sending you know video messages asynchronously to to your team. Uh, but then the the sort of the unique thing that makes it a little bit different from from like a Loom or something like that is that it's really easy to go back and forth and have a threaded conversation uh, asynchronously on, on, on one page. Um, really great for sending messages back and forth with clients or your re remote team. And um, and so we just capped off the first year of ZipMessage. Uh, and now in 2022, we're, we're gonna do a product hunt launch, uh, uh, I think a few days after this podcast comes out. So uh, January 11th, if you wanna save the date, <laughs> um, Tuesday. Uh, so. So yeah, we're really trying to kick off this this year, make it, make it, uh, make it, you know, have a splash here. Um, but uh, to to answer your question, um, I I'm I'm definitely of the mindset of, especially with a software business here, the mindset is don't grow the headcount unnecessarily. Um, that doesn't mean hustle my ass off every every day and night, um, but uh, I just really like to work efficiently and fast. And, and actually, when it comes to development and product, I think that we're way faster, just me and one person, than, than we would be if we were five or 10 people on, on the product. Hmm. You know? um, I, I think with software, uh, at least my hunch is right now, is like the more people we add, actually, the, it's going to slow us down more than speed us up a little hmm. bit. Um, you know, I, I, and, I, and I have also been working with uh, freelance marketing folks, some, some people writing content, some people helping in, in different areas there. So I'll outsource. Uh, I say outsource, but I, I tend to work very closely, like in collaboration with, with folks. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, doing all of the marketing work myself, um, trying to be efficient there as well. But, you know, I, I, my, my goal with this business is to 
is is for it to be another sort of long-term business you know um i would love for it to be the next chunk of, of my career here five ten years i don't know um but if it's uh if, if we remain under 10 people five to ten people that that would be awesome you know yeah i was gonna say i find this the same thing with especially with early stage and prototype being is like if one or two people is like the sweet spot um and you get more than that and then you have to have conversations about everything and that really slows stuff down yeah 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 for sure the network the, the number of different interactions that can happen explodes uh exponentially but actually like going back to audience ops for a second like yeah when i started it was a very different goal for me when i started that business uh when i started that one um like i sort of made a rule for myself with it i was like this business is only going to work if i'm not writing articles for clients hmm. like i'm just never i i had never wrote any articles for clients uh, in the beginning i sort of project managed a little bit but even that i like like the goal for the business was start this service build processes build a team so that i'm not doing the service every day like that hmm. was intentionally from from day one um so like on day one i hired like two writers and and then of few months in hired the first project manager and an assistant and and that, that that's why that that business is specifically sort of designed to, to grow a team around it you know I'm really curious about your move to software businesses the the way you're describing how you're handling more of a productized service business is by having a, a rigorous focus on the process and the, the systematizing and making sure everything has a, a flow of the way that it's going um, which sounds like you were able to apply software concepts to people like you're, you're able to, to deploy process software in human brains um that seems to be an unfair advantage for you why are you moving into software if you've <laughs> unlocked like you know how this thing works of how to get people to do stuff uh what, what's the temptation of you know uh, I, i've heard Silicon? that question before a couple times and um you know to be honest like before i did audience ops and before i somehow became known as the productized service person. I mean, I have a course about it. That probably has something to do. With it. <laughs> but the, um, that, you know, I, I made that years ago in 2014, uh, when I was at a point in my career where I had skills. So to answer your question, before all that, I was a web designer first, web front end web developer first. That, I started at a, at a web agency and was a freelance web designer developer many years and then I built restaurant engine which was like a SaaS uh, website builder for restaurants and then I went into productized services um, this sounds weird but almost as like a crutch for not being a full stack developer interesting um, because um, you know I at the time at tw in 2015 when I started audience ops I did not have the skills to, to build a full web app I, I did not have I, I, I was not a back-end developer at all um i could only build front-end stuff wordpress stuff design stuff right so i actually had the idea a couple of ideas when i w after i sold restaurant engine i had a couple of of ideas for what would my, my next business be two of them were like SaaS product ideas and i my fear at that moment was all right i like these ideas but it's going to take over a year for me to build them and hire developers to build them. And then I will burn through all the cash that I just made from selling the business. Mm. So that's not gonna be sustainable. It's gonna put my finances way too much at risk. So what is 
So like my question to myself was, what is the business that will uh, replace my income as quickly as possible and be uh, most sustainable uh, going forward that can free me up to then do SaaS later? That mm. was literally my thinking when I started Audience Ops. Um, and uh, it, it actually ended up growing faster than I expected because you know, you're selling a, a recurring service at a higher price point and yeah, it, it, uh, it did pretty well, but, but then it, it did take a little while to figure out the, the processes and the team and, and all that. Um, and then it really, I, and then I did start investing like in, in 2017, I started investing the profits from that into building SaaS products by hiring backend developers. Um, because I, I, at that point I still did not have the ability to build a full web app myself. Mm. Um, and I mean, that didn't really go so well. I, like, I, I, I tried to build a SaaS at the time it was called, uh, ops calendar. And, um, you know, it, I spent a lot of money on that and worked a lot on on it for like a year and a half and it didn't go uh, anywhere. And, and then I got frustrated with that. And that's when in 2018, I was like, okay, I have, I have a good cash flow business with audience ops. I've got a ton of free time before I re before I go hire developers again, why don't I take this year and learn how to build my app ideas myself, start to finish. And, um, and it wasn't like learning from nothing. I, I was a front end, like professional level, you know, HTML, CSS, some JavaScript. I, I had worked on many big, big name websites over the years, like not new to the, to the front end, but kind of afraid of, of, of using like the command line. So I had to get over that and, uh, <laughs> and databases. And, and then, you know, I, I fell into uh, Ruby on rails and then, and then, and then I built uh, a couple of products that, that really accelerated my, my learning on that. So this is so interesting for me to hear you describe how you sort of as a, as a step in the journey to being able to develop things in the back end, kind of accidentally developed this incredible skill of being able to manage a team and have 25 consultants working for you. Uh, but like if it was still like to get to this place where you could feel comfortable in the command line and databases and the backend stuff, uh, because <laughs> I'm coming at it from exactly the opposite of like, I'm trying to get to a place where I can run a business with a whole bunch of people. And my way through that is like, you know, cutting my teeth on rails and, and, uh, this backend stuff. Like, well, I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm curious, like, what were you doing before what you're doing now? Like, um, uh, were you doing like development consulting or full-time job or what, what did that look like? I, uh, Chris, Chris has a different, uh, angle on this that I'd like to get into too. But, uh, my story is that I went straight from college to, uh, I, I was working with a startup for a summer, just like an internship. And I thought this sucks. I hate working for other people. Uh, let me see if I can do consulting instead. And a week before I was going to sign a contract, uh, working as a rails developer for a cons- consultancy, uh, a side project file inbox started making more money than I would have been making if I was working full time. And so I thought, well, I guess I need to figure out how business works because I uh, would much I mean, rather do amazing, this. I mean, that's amazing, man. Like, because that that kind of success with a software product, you know, early in your career is yeah. something so like I I I'm I don't know I don't know how, where where I am in my career right now, but I'm not at the beginning of it, and and I haven't really had had like the full time software success yet. So that's that's awesome. Um, it was awesome and you know incredibly fortunate and also terrifying and like it's been a it's been a journey trying to backfill and like i felt petrified for years of just you know i don't know how or why this is making money 
And so I'm terrified of changing anything. So let yeah. me just back away slowly and like see if it's if it's uh gonna still make money uh what's your story sort of like answer your question though about again about the people is that like before all that i spent uh like i became a freelance web designer in in 2008 Hmm. um i was at a agency before that but uh so from 08 i probably phased out client work around 2012 um but for four years there, I was started to scale up web design projects by hiring other freelancers. So hiring in that sense was not really new to me. And then, and then restaurant engine, I spent four years building that, and that had a small team of, of, of people, uh, contractors again. So, you know, every, every phase, like you, you, you pick up certain skills that by the time I got to audience ops, hiring and delegating processes was, uh, it, it wasn't my first rodeo on that. Mm. You know? Chris, you've had a sort of a hybrid career because you've you've yeah. done some of the consulting and you've also had an employee. Uh, what's how would you describe that journey? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a full time job for eight years, but it was at a small company. It was like between three and twelve people. We like we grew from three to twelve, um, but I wasn't the in charge there. I was um, you know just a I was the lead developer. But um, and then I did consulting for yeah like, I guess it's been about five years. So like I figured out how to make you know money by getting clients. Um, and then throughout the whole process, I've done some info products and some SaaSes. And that is a, it's just a very different skill set. Like I know how to build them up, you know, up and down and I can sell to big companies for a lot of money, but selling to a lot of small companies is something that uh, is tricky. So yeah. We've all got something to learn from each other. Let's start a startup, you guys. Let's. <laughs> we got a team here. Uh, this is fun. Uh, Brian, I'd love to dig into your choice in Stack. We we were talking a little bit uh, before we started recording about your choice of Ruby on Rails, and I was surprised that that as a framework clicked for you much more. Coming from a front end uh, background, I would think some combination of like React and Firebase uh would would fit the best for you um it's it's surprising that like you having picked up back and stuff so recently that uh rails is, is the stack that you uh, uh landed on yeah so I, I think that with a lot of the the quote unquote newer uh stuff out there it's it's a, it's a bit of like i don't know what i don't know <laughs> um so i haven't explored every framework out there um i i, I mean that was actually intentional like i remember in, in 2018 when i made the decision to like dedicate that year to get myself from front end to full stack. Mm. I intentionally wanted to, to choose a stack that is boring and old and well adopted. And because a, that, that, that'll be the easiest for me to learn. There's, there's tons of resources out there for the, for the big name stuff. Mm. Um, and also like if I build a business, it'll be easier for me to hire folks uh, on that stuff. So, that so with that in mind like i sort of i mean you know by that point i had a little bit of experience with vue.js um in that the previous developers that i hired on that SaaS that didn't work they chose vue.js before i even knew what that was Hmm. um and that project uh was was extremely difficult to maintain it and and then and then it caused all all these bugs and everything, and that was a lot of my inexperience of of not knowing how to manage that that type of stack, you know. So, um, so I had that taste in my mouth coming out of the the previous one, and 
I think as a front end, uh, HTML, CSS, a, a bit of JavaScript experience, but but not deep on JavaScript. You know, um, I love simplicity. I just want to design a user experience and just make it in the browser and 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 just not get bogged down with the technical uh, with, with the technicalities. And, and basically, my my decision was like, okay, it's going to either be PHP and Laravel or Ruby on Rails. Those are, those are like the two big name things, stacks that I could build a SaaS on and learn. And I started with Laravel. I thought that that had more promise. Um, it, it, maybe today it still does. Uh, but um, I, I, I spent about a month or two on tutorials and courses, learning how to build something uh, in PHP Laravel. And, and also PHP was more familiar to me than Ruby. I had never touched Ruby before. PHP, at least I had worked a lot with, with WordPress before. I, I went through a course, I think I think a, a, a Jeffrey Way's uh, Laravel, Laracasts, right? So I went through that and um, I just remember feeling like, okay, I followed along with all the lessons. I was able to build what he told me to build on the videos. But at the end of it, I could not take what I learned and go build a basic idea of my own. Like mm -hmm. I still felt lost. Like st I still felt like I forgot how to, write this syntax or, or build this or that. Then I, then I did another month and a half, same exact thing, but on Ruby on Rails. Uh, I found a course. The first one I took was um, called like One Month Rails, which I burned through in like a week or two. Um, later on, I, I got a lot of value from like Go Rails and stuff. That's a little bit more intermediate. Uh, so did that. And after a month of, of learning Ruby on Rails, like super basic one-on-one stuff, I was able to build a, a to-do list app like that I, I designed and built it like amazing. Um, I, you know, but that proved to me like this just clicks for me. I don't know. I don't know what it is that makes it simpler or easier. Um, but it, but it just clicks. And then, um, you know, and that wasn't like a real product, but it was a functioning app. Right. Um, and then, uh, and I, and I worked and I had a lot of help from, from friends who would like coach me on, on, on stuff. And then I built a bunch of pro practice projects. Um, but I mean, the other thing that really clicked for me with Ruby on Rails and still to this day is that they, they still have this ethos of like, keep it simple. Like it doesn't need to be overcomplicated, you know? Um, uh, you know, and even today with the, with the newer stuff like Hotwire and, and, and stimulus JS, which I've really uh, used quite a bit on all, on all my products now. Um, it's just simpler and easier and faster to build. And I, and I also really value uh, maintainability. You know, um, I find it's really, and, and this is another reason why I love Tailwind CSS and, and what Adam's built. I, I think Adam is yes. a genius, you know. Um, you know, like stuff like that just makes it A, so easy to build, but to me, the, the real value, and this speaks to Tailwind as much as it does Ruby on Rails, um, it's the maintainability. It's when you have a project that has lasted more than a year, it's gonna get gnarly in the code base. You, you gotta be able to hop in there and be able to rework things without having to refactor the entire app. And, um, and that, you know, that, that to me just makes Rails and Ruby code and Tailwind CSS just a, kind of a no brainer for me. And, and, and I love stimulus too. We now have what? two people for Ruby on Rails. And yeah, <laughs> I, I feel outnumbered here. <laughs> so on uh, our startup, we're, we're, we're going Rails stock. That's right. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
I, I need to sprinkle some serverless functions in there though. I, I gotta, gotta get that in there. Uh, very good argument. Yeah, I think, and at, at the end of the day, I think it's so much more about the business than it is about the tech stack. I, I tend to uh, have the shiny new object syndrome of like, ah, here's this new way to do things and it's slightly better in this way. And ah, look at this, you can structure this thing in this new paradigm and I can learn all these new things about coding. and. Uh, it's from a business perspective, I think, a, a distraction. Uh, I, th I think it would be fun as like a CTO, but when you're trying to build a thing to make money, like, okay, no one knows what, what web stack your uh, web app is framed in. The, the only thing they care about is how it's helping them to uh, make their lives better, give them the, the superpowers. Um, so in that light, I'm, I'm curious about how you're structuring zip message as a company now. Um, I was reading in your uh, 2021 year interview that you uh, accepted money from Tyler Tringas's comp company fund. Congratulations, that's very exciting. Thanks. How, could you frame a little bit how you're thinking about this as a business? Is it like, you know, what, what are you gonna do with that money and uh, how are you framing the non-technical pieces of this business of like marketing and, and uh, acquiring customers and things? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so zip message, uh, be, because I chose to take a bit of funding, um, zip message Inc is, is its own entity and it's the first time I broke out its own entity. Everything else that I've ever done has been under my one kind of umbrella LLC. Um, uh, but zip message is its own standalone business entity. So, um, uh, yeah. And, and com company fund, uh, invested in it. Uh, that's, that's been a really uh, good experience, uh, so far. I'm, I'm really excited to, um, they, they've got a great, uh, community too. The, the mentors network is, is fantastic and everything. A lot of, a lot of good supportive stuff for, uh, for folks like us. Um, um, to answer your question. Yeah. Like I said, like since the beginning, it's been me and, and one developer, um, uh, on the marketing stuff, I, I, I actually, I've been looking, but I still haven't found like one long-term person, uh, to work with on that. It, it so far it's been kind of hired guns here and there, um, uh, for, you know, writing some pieces here. Uh, I mean, I do all the design and stuff on, on the marketing website. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm actually sort of still figuring out marketing. I, I have plenty of plans and stuff for 2022 um and some of them involve hiring some people but uh yeah that that in terms of structure and team that's still getting figured out yeah there's something uh something kind of unrelated so this we could take this as a tangent later if you want but uh so you had one llc and then you sold audience ops away from that llc and i'm just curious because i have one llc with all my projects so like how much work was it to like separate that from your llc and would you recommend yeah, I, doing doing it that way or not um well yeah, so so definitely a few recommendations uh, for for you or anyone else in this position. Um, uh, so you know that sale was a, was what they call an, an asset sale. So so you're stripping out the asset. I, I still own my LLC, but now that asset has left the LLC. Um, uh, in my case, I I talked a, a bit about this on on Bootstrap Web when we had the the buyer come on the show and, and we talked about it a little bit. But um, oh, cool. I'll give you a little bit more here where basically I, I had it in a good situation on the revenue side, but the expenses side was a bit of a problem. <laughs> so uh, on the revenue side, like audience ops had its own Stripe account, mm -hmm. never mixed with any other stuff that I was doing. So it's 
super easy to see exactly, you know, when you go through like due diligence and stuff like that, super easy to see how much revenue uh, went through audience ops. Um, on the expenses side, I, I did make the mistake of having a single business bank account and single business credit card mm. uh, across my different businesses. Zip message, I corrected this, that it's, it's its own separate thing, but um, that was very difficult. I, I had to, it, it's not impossible to overcome, but it's, it does make it more difficult. And what I had to do was basically um, go through all of my bank statements and line by line Oof. itemize like these oh, expenses no. are audience ops and these are not and these are and these are not you know um and i mean people wise it was easier because i only like people i hired in audience ops did not work on my other stuff so that was a little bit cleaner but um uh yeah that, that's one thing to if i mean i i so i would not recommend getting like uh, forming a different LLC or a different corporation for every new idea that you have. I, I don't believe that's, and look, this is not lawyer or accountant advice. You'll, <laughs> right. you'll have to talk to, to them about that. But my take on it is uh, yes, have one LLC for, for, for your own protection and everything. But um, w once it's like significant enough, maybe think about breaking it out or, or I mean, the reason I broke out zip messages because I took on an, an investor that's, right. that's a separate entity. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Thanks. This is going to sound like a silly question. What are you spending money on? Uh, <laughs> what, like, <laughs> you have all this money from Comp Company now. Uh, how do you how do you spend that money? You you said you're you have some hired guns for marketing and things. I'm, I'm particularly interested in your answer to this because I I think you're much better at spending money on people. Dark uh, and I can see people being like a, a good way to like you could just dump money in people and have them do work for you. Um, how well, uh, yeah so well first of all it's 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 not a uh, not a ton of money it's not like vc uh you know it's not millions <laughs> True. um so uh it's 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 really just enough to to fund uh you know a year or two um of of the upcoming runway um and and i mean that's supplemented with with my own cash from the sale of, of audience ops and and for the first 8 months of zip message i i was self funding it you know, uh, from, from running, you know, from, from profits from, from audience ops, basically. Um, so my thinking on it is really not much is changing. Like it, it was re it, to me, it came down to a question of, am I going to completely self fund this business or for the first time, take a little bit of outside funding and not have to self fund it because mm -hmm. either way I, I knew I was going to continue working with my, I had my one developer before I took com fund funding. Um, I, I knew I was going to continue with, with, uh, that developer. I knew I was going to do marketing stuff that would involve hiring a few contractors like it, you know, so, so it, it's not making me hire people who I would not have normally hired. Uh, and it's, um, um, I'm, I'm tr like it, it's, it's weird. It's like some, sometimes I, I feel a little bit more aggressive because I have cash in the bank to be able to run little marketing experiments. Um, at other times it makes me a little bit more conservative, you know, because, uh, it's, it's a, a runway in the bank that is, that I'm drawing down until the business mm -hmm. is profitable, you know? Um, so, so in that sense, it, it actually makes me a little bit more 
conservative about like again like i'm not trying to grow headcount unnecessarily um so that was a very good answer and i need to broke it down a little bit more like i like i'm having trouble finding places in my business to spend money and like the money that you're using is that your salary and your developer salary and heroku costs and google adwords What's, when you're writing checks, what are the biggest places where the money's going? Yeah, I'm, I mean, we're not running any ads right now. Um, uh, so the, the biggest expense would be um, uh, my developers. Uh, you know, technically it would be mine. Uh, I'm not necessarily taking a salary from the business yet, but I, but I will be. Um, so it, it would be salaries and it's basically just me and my developer. Uh, yeah, I have server costs and I have... Uh, uh, you know, marketing, like, like tools that we use that we pay for. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but frankly, I'm not spending a lot other Mm -hmm. than that. Right. So, um, uh, I'm trying not to spend a lot. I'm I'm trying to sit, I'm trying to keep the the war chest in place for, (laughs) for when we need to spend it. Um, Mm -hmm. and we don't need to go on a spending spree, uh, at least not yet. Um, so that's, that's sort of how I think, like, like I do all the customer support, still I, I don't feel the pain of needing to outsource that mm. um I'm, I'm sure i will at some point you know and then i'll and then i'll look to hire someone but uh that's not yet um on marketing um you know again like I, i'm still figuring this out um and i where, where i've come to now is like as much as i want to be the head of product which i am like that product is where I live every day. That's, that's literally where I spend my hours, uh, you know, designing, I build at least half the features and and then the other half I'm directly directing my developer on how to build them, um, testing it and, and and all that kind of stuff. And so that's where I spend most of my time, but I have to be the marketer too. And, and that means basically marketing strategy, um, uh, yes, I'll, I'll do some personal stuff like going on podcasts like, like this, but, uh, you know, we're doing some like SEO targeted content. So I'll, I'll help strategize how that should be, but then I'll hire a writer to, to write it. Um, uh, pretty soon we'll, we'll be doing a lot more like integrations. So I'll be personally developing those partnership relationships and then probably me and my developer building the integrations, you know, um, so yeah, doing doing stuff like that. I mean, the other thing that that we that we recently uh, changed in Zip Messages, we made it free. We, we added a free premium mm-hmm. free plan. So um, that was sort of a big decision, and and now it's actually working. Like like it, you know, it's actually pretty good for the business. And so a big focus is going to be like what they call product led growth, right? Like um, yes, we need to do marketing activity to get traffic and new users to the site but a lot of the effort is how can we get these users using it and sharing it and getting more exposure through the product uh, because it is a viral product so that's that's where a lot of my thinking is right now yeah i heard you talk on another podcast i think about how um yeah the move to freemium made a lot of sense for you because you could share it with someone and they could have an account without ever signing up but they could still yeah. be sharing their their thing so i think it makes yeah a ton of sense for uh for your thing would you recommend freemium if it makes a little less sense i would say like it's not quite a viral thing now that you've done both freemium and not freemium would you recommend freemium as a growth strategy or only if it like makes sense for the product like it does for yours 
Yeah, I, I would never recommend uh, almost anything. I would never recommend uh, as a blanket statement. It, it's totally <laughs> <Sure>. uh, <laughs> uh, dependent. Um, and you know, I default I default to not premium, and I and I did on ZipMessage. Like the first uh, nine months was not premium. You know, um, uh, but yeah, it, it for that product, uh, it did it logically. It makes sense. Like it's I still I I, I still sort of have, but now it's it's we've had a good past few months on freemium, but on the first month of it, I was still pretty apprehensive. Like the, <laughs> the whole idea of giving a product away for free is not, does not come easy to uh, a bootstrapper <laughs> like me, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but, but, you know, luckily we're, we're still seeing pretty steady conversions with it. So cool. um, I, I think it really makes sense when the product is, has a viral component, um, you know, because the, the thing that I came to is that like, um, without a free plan, it really, really limits the pool of people who could potentially share it with someone else, you know? Um, and that's really the whole goal with, with a product like this. So for something like messaging, that makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, Slack, I think they're part of their story is their viral growth from, uh, if you have one person in your company using Slack and they're able to get a few more people in the company using Slack. Okay. Now everyone in the company's using it. Uh, yeah. you, you've you've got them in the trap, uh, and now you can have the unit of the company at some point when it makes sense that they're getting value from it to to start paying for it. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, I'm still learning with this stuff. It's it's very uh, new for me. Um, only a few months into freemium now, but but I'm already seeing like changes that I made in the product, especially like our onboarding, have directly impacted the number of active users and then the number of new referred like viral signups because we changed uh, a way that somebody shares a, a message, you know? Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to see some like early wins with that. And I could see how we, I mean, we still need to do marketing still need to still, you know, still I'm, I'm hoping a good, a good like product hunt launch. I'm, you know, uh, I'm hoping uh, some of this SEO stuff really kicks in. And, and, and so we still need top of funnel, but um but ultimately it's, it's the product and, and that's what I'd like to design and build. So, uh, feels like a fun product to, to work on if, if I can get it really working, you know, for SEO, might I recommend, uh, hiring a consultancy that could write a whole bunch of blog posts for you. That could <laughs> yeah. I wonder where I could find one of those. I've, I've got a recommendation for you. I'll send it to you afterwards. Um, well, you know, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, you know, as, as you might imagine, like I'm actually contractually not, I, I could hire audience ops, uh, but I can't work with any of the, the team mm. directly. You know? Interesting. Uh, yeah. How fun. That's <laughs> feels sort of like <laughs> exclusive of like, Oh, I, <laughs> I was the owner, so I can't go in there. That, that would feel cool. Uh, I'd love to talk about some fun stuff. I saw on your 2021 year in review that you uh, ordered a Tesla Model Y. And I think that's really cool. I just got a Tesla <laughs> and I love it. It was my dream car for a long time. Um, well, I'm super jealous because I'm still waiting for mine. <laughs> yeah. It was like a it was like a five month waiting period for mine. It was it was, was it nuts. Five? Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean I'm in like my fifth month of waiting now. So <laughs> Oof. The Y I think was a longer waiting period. When I was looking at it, like the used ones were three to ten thousand dollars more because yeah. you could pick them up same day as opposed to this waiting period. Uh right. yeah, it's a it's a weird market right now. What what do you have? The three? The three, the yes, yeah, the just the cheapest right. one I could possibly get. But I, I 3D printed, a, uh, so the only difference between the 
externally between the cheapest and the most expensive Model 3 is this little emblem on the back that says dual motor with an underline. And that's how you know someone paid like $25,000 more for theirs. So right? I 3D printed <laughs> a quad motor emblem and I put it, I put it on the back. Uh, I always no look at the wheels. I, I always look yeah, at, the, yeah, at yeah. the wheels that they showed, right? So that was like, I think the wheels was the, was, uh, was like the one upgrade that that we did you know uh, just because i don't i just don't like the the look of the default wheels sure um, and i'm not usually like a flashy person or anything but like the um uh yeah or, ordered I, I was really excited to 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 be able to order one um because you know like everyone else in our industry it's kind of like a lifelong dream uh but um yeah still waiting for it that's it says it says sometime car. in february i'm i'm waiting and of course Best i have like luck. three i have like three trips in february so i'm sure i'm gonna miss it so. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same thing happened to me i uh i had mine and i was on the waiting list forever and then uh i was scheduled uh to be in europe for a month and four days into the trip i got the notification that like it was being delivered and i was like no so i'm there i'm there and like you know, Rome at the Colosseum. <laughs> just like, okay, yes, this is great, but ah, uh, on, on my app, <laughs> I kind of got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would uh, push the button to like, you know, flash the lights or, or honk the horn. <laughs> just be like, ah, my, my dream car is waiting for me. Uh, it was a, oh, it was a good. Any uh, like any surprises or, or things that are interesting about it that you didn't expect? Uh it's amazing, it? and it makes me feel alive, and I love driving in it uh, every time, and I have no complaints. It's it's a little. I uh, one of my friends got a Lexus recently, uh, and being in their Lexus, I'm like, ooh, this is a really nice car. Like the the product, the the fit and finish of everything, and everything just feels really nice, in a way that in a Tesla feels sort of chintzy and plasticky that I hadn't realized before, uh, that in a luxury sedan, I'd, I'd expect that finish to be a little nicer, but like, I'm not buying it for the quality of the plastic things on the doors or the, the door skins. I'm buying it. Cause like it's a computer on wheels. Um, and so for that, like it's, it's not, it's not like the elevated elegant experience of like, Ooh, I'm in a suit and I'm yeah. <laughs> going to go to the gala. It's like, I'm a tech bro and <laughs> computers are cool. Uh, yeah, so for for that, uh, I love it. It's it's a really cool car. Yeah, I was uh, last night. I was tuning into some recent uh, interview with Elon Musk, um, and man, I'm I'm just always blown away at just. I mean, the guy is like superhuman. I mean, I, I like he's. He, I didn't even realize this. He said in this interview that he is the the chief engineer at SpaceX. He's not just mm. the, the CEO, he's the chief engineer. And he was describing how like, like every rocket launch and every, everything in the rockets, like he signs off on all the design and engineering decisions, mm. um, uh, which, which is crazy to me. Um, because then he, in the same interview, he goes on to like go in insane detail on the Tesla self-driving tech under the hood. This was like a super technical interview, right? Um, and it's like, how does the chief engineer of SpaceX day to day also know the inner workings of how they like rewrote C code just to build Tesla's like, yeah. how, like it's insane, you know? Yeah. If you've never heard any of the, he's done some really detailed rocket interviews, um, with like rocket YouTube channels and yeah, he knows every inch of that rocket and every inch of the car. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's literally like superhuman. <laughs> like, 
and he's also really well versed in software businesses like he cut his teeth on x.com which turned into paypal like yeah i yeah. read his biography recently and uh chris and i were talking about it on this podcast and like <laughs> i was reading this just like what have i done with my life like how, how has he accomplished so much and it's it's inspiring i uh it's helped me like reframe what is possible to do in a single human lifetime well but then we came to the you know he works 100 hour weeks and has had three divorces so you know yeah, yeah there's that too yep yeah yeah <laughs> but still I'd, I'd like to have more of that sort of thing in my life uh you read some very interesting books uh that uh, were on your list that uh I don't, i'll say well, the I titles to... of the books i don't know if this is going to turn anything but uh sapiens breath and Bogod's Guide to Investing, uh, three books that you read last year that I really enjoyed. Those are uh, three of my favorite books. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I listened to them. I, um, I I got more into exercising in the past year, and I tried to pair that with listening to more books. Oh, um, uh, clever. And uh, yeah, those were, those were a couple of them. Um, I just listed all, all the books that I did uh, listen to last year. Not all of them were like my favorites or anything, but... Um, yeah, got to a point. Where, so the investing, the Bogleheads, I, I've always just felt like a, a, a dummy when it comes to, uh, kind of self, you know, ma like managing uh, money and and doing the the smart optimal thing with it. So I tend to, maybe this is smart is just default to like the safest long term stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, I wanted to get a better understanding of of how to how to manage all of that and where to put things and. Um, I learned just enough to know like, okay, I think what I'm already doing is boring enough. So I'll just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I'm curious about because a, a thing that I've struggled with specifically in SaaS is thinking about how to think about my software business as a component of my investing portfolio. And I haven't quite figured out what that balance is yet. You, you mentioned that you're also personally investing in ZipMessage. Uh, what, what was your mental framing of especially after reading this book like how do you think about asset allocation um, and where you're investing well just in in my business i you know i always think of my my business and basically the the career here that i'm investing in as like my number one asset that i mm. that i'll ever own um and the cash that i that i get wh whether it's paying myself or profit dividends or selling a business um that goes into savings and and reading that book was like well what do i do with that savings now mm -hmm. i don't really know um uh you know and i and i basically put it into boring index funds for the most part a yep. little bit of crypto but that, that's it um that's the way and, and teslas <laughs> uh, <laughs> good <laughs> which are an appreciating uh, asset right yes <laughs> uh so um yeah the business i i just think of it as an asset that i'm growing and and mm -hmm. that's how i think about like design like choosing what business to to get into um i mean you you, you asked earlier like uh why don't i just keep doing productized services and why why did i go into SaaS? um mm -hmm. well it's not financial I, I, you know but that that's one component right like the, the number one reason is because i, I do love the designing and making software products um, i actually like it a lot more than making processes for a team um, but SaaS is, is such a brilliant business model and the valuations you know um i'm not one of these people who's going to build a SaaS business and say i'll never sell it like yeah i probably will sell it that, that's going to be the most likely outcome at, at some point um hopefully not anytime soon you know i really hope to be working on zip message for for a long time here I'd, I'd like to settle into it for a while but it's an asset that i'm looking to grow 
and it, it's you know i mean there's no sign of SaaS in general as going going downward in terms of valuation so mm. um it's a good thing to, to to be in i think we're all pretty lucky to be in this industry you know that's where i've landed too i've i've been exploring in this podcast uh chatting with chris about alternative assets and like renting out cars and like real estate and things and I keep coming back to just man, SaaS is great. Like, like in SaaS, if you have income of you know two hundred dollars a month, from the SaaS context, it's like ah, what a tiny, terrible SaaS business. But in real estate, if you have a cash flow of two hundred dollars a month from a house that's you know you're you're paying whatever a thousand dollars a month in the mortgage, and you have a tenant in there right now that's paying you twelve hundred, so you're making an extra two hundred dollars a month, and you're paying off the mortgage, you'd be like, "Wow, this is amazing! I have passive cash flow of two hundred dollars." Uh, yeah, it's it's unfair. Uh, software is, yeah. Un- I mean, especially once, it, especially once it really works and it's and it, and it grows into a a significant business. That then then the profit margins. I mean, I think that there's. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who, who, who've grown much bigger SaaS companies. And um, I think the reality is uh, it's f- probably for a while, it's not as profitable as people might think, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially if the SaaS is growing fast, you're going to have to hire uh, sort of depends on the product, but like your, your expenses will grow very fast too. Um, but then, then it does get to a point where the valuations and the profit margins can really can really go and, and i and i also think that a lot of SaaS and software companies just from my observation um again i haven't been at their level of a SaaS uh, of a SaaS business before so I, I can't speak from personal experience but my my impression is that there there are still lots of software uh companies that just hire a lot more than maybe is necessary um mm-hmm. and that that's again why i would like to keep the the headcount pretty lean you know and, and and I and I mean I hire overseas too, and and I hire uh, I hire both lo- you know in the U.S. and and overseas. Like I'm not, um, I, I just I, I find ways to be efficient, and 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 you know it's it works out pretty well. You know, I'm excited to follow the progress of ZipMessage with with this new ethos of you're focusing on software businesses and you're focusing on keeping it leaner, and you have this skill set in your back pocket of if you need to assemble a 25 person team. You can, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's not, but not like I could do that overnight, you know, and, and I'm <laughs> and I'm not planning on it. So, <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see the progress, and I'm excited for your launch. I'll be uh, giving you some updates on product time. I appreciate it. Uh, we've exhausted my list of questions, Chris. Have we uh, scratched all your questions that you that you had? Yeah, that's it. Uh, where can people find you online? And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am uh, Cast Jam on on Twitter. Uh, you know that's 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 where I spend way too many hours of my day, so you can catch me there. Um, and uh, fellas, I'm I'm a fan of both of you, and uh, you know what what you're building and just doing this podcast. And I I just think that I I love the Bootstrapper podcasts. I can't get enough of them. I, I wish more people would. I like I, I I like to talk about how it's super boring for most of the world, but it's like super interesting for folks like us. To tune in. So um, yeah, keep doing it. I'm I'm honored. That's uh that's cool to hear. I'm a big fan of you too. Cool. Thanks. Cool. All right. Uh that's all I got. So uh goodbye. That's all I got too. Goodbye. <laughs>